Welcome to the Restart Radio Show, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is a different show because unlike most, we're not going to focus on all those new shiny, shiny things for you to buy. Instead, we focus on the value in the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and a happier relationship with electronics. Our monthly community electronics repair events here in London, called Restart Parties, are just the beginning. My name is Janet Gunter, and I'm joined by Ugo Valauri. Hello. And we're co-founders and partners in crime with the Restart Project. Um, in today's show, uh, our researcher Lauren Colley will take us on a visit to the Stratford Computer Fair one of the only regular fairs of its kind left in Greater London uh, in the age of eBay and YouTube. And, uh, Ugo, we've been tracking, I would say, the health of the electronics computer and electronics and computer repair economy for a couple of years now since we started our events in uh, two, uh, 2012. Um, and we started running these events because we ourselves, I, I think, I mean, I remember the first one was actually me trying to upgrade my laptop uh, with you, <laughs> um, we felt we needed to reskill and perform more basic uh, upgrades and maintenance on the things we owned. And I think it's fair to say, I mean, you have you had slightly more, uh, you know, background dabbling a little bit with hardware, but and we knew a couple people who could help, but we didn't really know where to go for help sourcing parts and with trickier repairs at the time. Yeah, and um, obviously the online market was exploding and it's still bigger now, but there's still value in actually being able to talk to a human being and hopefully to get a special part to be fitted straight away in front of you so that you know it actually works because that's not always the case when you buy online. Yeah, I mean, even with something as simple as, so <laughs> our first quote-unquote restart party was you and I sitting uh, and upgrading the RAM on my old MacBook. Even with something as simple as that, just me having the certainty that I had gotten the right, I mean, RAM. Um, there, Something even as simple as buying RAM can be a bit confusing if it's not something you've done before. Yeah, it's incredibly confusing because there's so many different types and even the names are just quite misleading sometimes or at least confusing. So actually at times you might think you got the right one, but it's the one for desktops instead you have a laptop and et cetera, et cetera. So it, it, there is a lot of value in being able uh, for a lot of people to be guided into getting the right thing and yeah, that's and that's important. something at our community repair events at restart parties. You know, we we can't carry with us every potential spare part that someone might need, or we carry a little bit of uh, RAM and a couple of extra things with us, but we don't. You know, we we, we can't carry an, 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 a new power supply for you or um, a new battery. So yeah, so what we try to teach is actually try to teach the method. So how do you find out what is the exact thing that you need? What might be in this case mm -hmm. the online sources of the right information and then you can copy and paste into a reputable website so that you definitely are going to get the right part but there's always the thrill of then receiving something and maybe it's got mislabeled by the seller or maybe you didn't copy and paste exactly the right amount of information and you show up at an event and uh, yeah you didn't get the right part Happens. so these computer fairs in a sense are in some way responding to that need so um you know 
in the age of well, it's seemingly uh, you know brick and mortar businesses struggling. Um, you it's harder to find something somebody on your high street who might be able to help you. You know, you go to uh, the big box stores and you see just kind of in the accessories or the section related to computing or almost any technical um, uh, pursuit or hobby, the shelves look kind of empty and there's very little there actually in my experience. Yeah, and as one uh, repairer that I recently spoke to told me, the main interest for some of these big name shops are is just so that they can have a big ad advertising a price that's one or two pounds lower than everyone else on a big board on a bus or something but they don't really have an interest in providing you with spare parts or parts for upgrades they don't care their inventories are laughable i mean really for most things so the computer fairs just to uh, by way of a background when when you and i got started um hosting these community repair events i think um i would say by uh 2012 there still there still was one in central london can you tell us about the computer fair of Tottenham Court Road. Yeah, the, that computer fair that uh, everyone talks about it in terms of Tottenham Court Road, it wasn't technically there. It was uh, uh, most recently hosted by um, the student union ULU. Um, at UCL. At UCL, yeah, at the, yeah between UCL and uh, SOAS in that area. And uh, so it, it was a fairly thriving place, although we found... Um, comments on the internet dating back in 2010 already noticing that it's, it had been reduced in space. It used to be two buildings, mm-hmm. two big halls full of traders, and then it became just one. And then little by little, it stopped being as regular, and we found information. It's not happening this weekend, it's not happening this other weekend, and now it's dead. And but this kind of decline of the computer fair there also seemed to go hand in hand with a decline in just the, the, the number of electronics businesses and brick-and-mortar businesses along Tottenham Court Road that that's, I would say, in some way provided support for people who needed to buy something or to get uh, to get help with something, would you say? It used to be the one destination that you would go to if you needed just a small, tiny component. And again, you wanted to make sure that you would get the right one. Um, and progressively, the number of shops, if you walk between Tottenham Court Station and Gooch Street Station now, it's just a small fraction of what it used to be just five years ago. And five years ago, we were already reading um, a piece on Urban 75 uh, talking about the decline of Tottenham Court. But in now it's less than half, I would say, uh, of the shops that used to sell electronics. And the ones that have remained are mostly chains and they're not really necessarily providing the same wealth of parts. Yeah, Mike from Urban 75 at the time, he wrote... It was one of the last vestiges of a main shopping street where you could go in and haggle like a pro. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not sure that haggling is necessarily encouraged at the computer fair. Uh, it's slightly more of a community atmosphere where traders, they, they may somewhat, and, and well, traders and repair people, they may somewhat overlap in what they do, but I think there's a slightly more of a community feel in that one. And uh, so Lauren, our researcher, went to the Stratford Computer Fair uh, this Sunday and talked to um, some of the veteran traders who've been there, um, well, since the very beginning from from their description. Um, First, we're going to hear from um, Charles, who uh, is one of the ones who've been there since the very beginning. 
Charles George. So how long have you been coming to Stratford Computer Fair? 19 years. 19 years, wow. Yeah. And how long has Stratford Computer Fair been going? 19 years. How did, um, how did it start? Uh, it started as um, <coughs> an off-spill of Tottenham Court Road Computer Fair. Oh, I see, okay. So before joining Stratford Computer Fair, I was at Tottenham Court Road Computer Fair. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm sure you know what happened. All the electronics firms and TV firms were forced to close down. And the reason why they were forced to shut down is because of the Crosswell project. So people weren't happy about it, but Crosswell, they can get public compulsory purchase order and they can do as they see fit. Do you find that you have quite a high success rate with fixing the the things people bring to you? Uh, I did. What happens now is that the owner doesn't tell the repairman the entire truth and the owner would, would very craftily open it and dismantle it and see whether they can repair it themselves. If they can't, they'll put it back together and then let an expert try. The people And the people who take, try and take it apart themselves first, are they people who have some experience doing that? or do they? No, there's, there's a reason why they do it themselves. It's called YouTube. Right, so YouTube is kind of a repairman's worst enemy then? Yes. Right, I see. Um, do you think it's kind of good that people are learning to try and fix things themselves though? I mean, because obviously... No, it's not for me, it's not. What about if it's an easier repair? Well, Something if, that... if it's a keyboard repair, yes, sure. Mm. But if it's a screen repair, no. Um, because the customer will bring it to me, and once I see the customer's opened it, and they can't get beyond that point, so that tells me that YouTube, step by step, it's not easy to follow. Right, so um, that was Charles George, and it was, this is quite interesting um, attitude towards uh, DIY repair. Um, I, I would tend to agree with them on some of the more difficult repairs that you know that that's in a sense that's why we started restart parties was because the YouTube video is simply not enough. Um, Definitely, and at times it does happen, even during the course of a community repair event, uh, one of our restart parties that you do follow collaboratively a YouTube tutorial. And at one point you get stuck and you made a mistake or you might break a spare part uh, just because you didn't apply the right amount of force or pressure. And you do need to go to a commercial repair. Although I wouldn't be so harsh in regards to um, people who do try a little bit. Yeah. And also, uh, I, I, I would imagine that Crossrail was the, the nail in the coffin of, of some of these uh, businesses and of the computer fair, but not the thing that necessarily caused its yeah. actual demise. And, and, and the traders themselves, um, uh, the next trader we talked to, Mark, did, does kind of indicate that it's been, well, that, it, that the fairs have been in a decline and that's related a lot to online competition and other things. Definitely. We, we see in, in Tottenham Court Road is that there's a lot more chain restaurants. It's not that there's no shops at all. So I think less sales of electronics and spare parts has led to the decline probably more. Uh, yeah, so next we're going to hear from Mark, who's of the same generation of Charles and uh, has some some other interesting comments about the state of things. Okay, so what's your name, first of all? It's Mark. Mark. Yep. And how long have you been coming here? 18 and a half years. So six months after it started, is that right? Yep. yep. And were you, how was it different at the beginning before? It was a lot busier than what it is now. Right. Um, I started off selling equipment rather than doing the repair side of it. And I went out doing the repairs after about six years of being here, and there has been a steady decline of 
customers coming in wow. and traders obviously coming in as well. And why do you think that is? I think the internet's killed it. Really? Yeah. It's a, you, whatever you can do here, you can do on the internet in the comfort of your own home. Mm, that seems to be the sort of trend in what people are saying. It's sort of YouTube and now yeah. people can do it. Do you find that a lot of people who come and bring you stuff have tried to repair things themselves? Yeah, and mucks it up. Really? Yeah, and it's a lot harder work for the likes of a repair person to try and repair it. You've got to sort out what they've mucked up to start off with mm. before you can go on to the next stage. Do you ever try and like explain what they've done wrong to them when you're repairing yeah. it? Yeah, and it's normally just like wind bouncing off their head. Really? Yeah, they just look at you with glassy eyes. Um, so unless they're trained in doing electronics and that, they don't understand what you're saying, yeah. even if you put it in the most simplistic terms that you can. Sure. So you don't think there's any way to sort of explain what you're doing to it? You so. can, but you can only make it as simple as possible, and some people just don't get the grasp of what you're saying to them. That's it, because they, they're looking at electricians or electronics engineers that can do that, and most people, even if they're good at soldering, can't solder as small as what some of the components are on the board. Mm. So they end up burning tracks off and stuff like that. Right. Uh, dislodging components, not finding them. Mm. So it's a whole manner of problems. You've got to go through circuit diagrams if you can get hold of them. Mm. So it's quite hard to repair what they've done before doing the repair that needs to be done. And you've got your own business apart from this one? This is my business. Oh, this is your business? Yeah. Okay. And um, do you find that the community here is quite supportive? I mean, like, do you have a sort of, if you need a part that you don't have, can you ask someone else who has that part? Or? Yeah, yeah. A lot of traders will help you out. There is a few that say, basically, if it's a hard to source part, they won't get rid of it themselves to another trader or like another engineer in case they need it. And then you've obviously got the likes of eBay and Amazon and then starting to go to China. Mm. And do you think things are getting harder to fix or not really? No, it's still the same standards, just getting smaller and smaller. That's the only thing that's making it harder. Right. But they still use the same concept of 20 years ago as what they are now. And how did you first get into repair at the very beginning? I used to be a bus driver and I grew up. Right. Do you enjoy it? <laughs> what, this side of it? Yeah. Because yeah. every job's a challenge. What's the best part about it? Getting it fixed. Right. You know, the success rate and you know you've done the job and you've done it well. And the best part is, is having a customer walking away happy. So the last thing you want to do is an unhappy customer. And what would you say your success rate is, roughly? 99%. 99%? Yeah. Okay, that's impressive. There's it, it's going to be some things you just can't fix. Yeah. Everything is fixable at a cost. And you've got to weigh up the cost against the repair or against the replacement. Nine times out of ten, you can repair it. Components are cheap enough. It's just the labour time that comes into it that pushes it up. I'll let you get back to your repair. Yeah, so so Mark had some really interesting points there. I actually did see um, let's uh, over the weekend we had a, a drone owner, a quadcopter owner, come in with a actually quite high valuable uh, quadcopter, and the attempt to switch out the the broken casing uh, didn't didn't go well, um, and the board was damaged, and it was damaged in a way that I really tried to encourage her to seek professional help with um <laughs> and she 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 swears she wants to learn and come back and get help but it's it is really difficult to um to create the conditions you know in your home or even at a restart party to do some of these finer repairs um, yeah, some just simply mm -hmm. take too much time or there's it's a novelty also for the person who's trying to help and things might go wrong. I mean, they could go wrong also for a commercial repair. I don't think 1% yeah. failure rate is that realistic, <laughs> yeah. all, with all due respect. But um, it's it's harder if you are attempting a very wide range of yeah. potential repairs and you're not specif specifically 
um, concentrating on one type of thing that you've built your knowledge for many, many years. Yeah, um, and interestingly, um, so it is called the Computer Fair, and there is a lot of kind of, there are a lot of um, things for sale, like extra, you know, accessories, um, uh, you know, components that you might upgrade your uh, your equipment with, but there's a lot of repair that happens through the Stratford Computer Fair, correct? Yeah, and So through... Mark is not alone, he's quite, you know, there are yeah. quite a few. But, mm. but it, it happens through, it doesn't necessarily mean that it happens at, uh, so... Traders and repairers go to the event uh, and at times they pitch their services, but then they might do it at their workshop or at their home, depending, and bring it back the next time. Okay. You're listening to Restart Radio, and we're talking about uh, the Stratford Computer Fair and the general, I'd say, uh, state of the, uh, well, sales and service economy in person in London. So there's quite a lot we can achieve sending things away, um, getting parts on eBay, uh, having a go with what we see on YouTube. But what's actually left for those of us who want to go and get some advice uh, a spare part or even, you know, meet different repair people. Um, and so we talked to Mark Weinberg, and uh, but we talked to somebody else related to him. Ugo, tell us about Kyle. So uh, Kyle, we actually had met Kyle just a couple of days before um, as we were doing a special conversation on the future of repair with a series of East London-based uh, repair businesses. And uh, he's a very proactive young uh, repairer who started very early age and he has very strong vision for providing the best customer service that he can and he wants to grow and uh, become the best repairer out there and he has a very interesting ideas about that and uh, I think we should listen well, to and it's not seemingly a coincidence that Kyle is Mark's son so Mark Weinberg and Carl Weinberg and also Weinberg, yes. Yeah, and also they concentrate on very different businesses. I guess computer repair might be uh, taking a certain direction, and uh, what what Kyle concentrates on, which is console and uh, gadgets, because they're higher value products, and it it has different business models and opportunities. Do you mind just saying your name again? Uh, I'm Kyle Weinberg. And are you the only repair store at the Stratford Computer Fair? Uh, no, there is another other repair companies, but I am the only on-site that does mobiles, consoles and tablets. Right, okay. So the rest of the people here just sell stuff to you? Yeah, majority of them are retail. Uh, yeah. The other companies that do do repairs here are specialised in laptops and PCs, which okay. is something I don't specialise in. So, so yours is mobile phones? Yeah, mainly, yeah. And how long have you been coming here? Uh, seven years. Wow. Seven years. That's where I started my company. Was here. My dad's worked here since the beginning, yeah. so I come here um, obviously when I was younger, so I know roughly the place. And then um, I started fixing Xboxes, Playstations, uh, which is what I specialise in. And then I just moved, gradually moved on with everything else, right. which is like phones, tablets, and stuff like that. But you used to come here with your dad? Yeah, when I was younger, maybe five, six years old. So, yeah. And how long had he been coming here before that? He's been coming here for 16 years. 16? Yeah. Okay, so it's been around for a while. Yeah, it's been around for. <laughs> 22 years, I think, 21 years. It's like the longest standing computer fair. Yeah. 
And does your dad have a separate repair business? Oh. Yeah, he owns PC First Aid Limited and I own Console Cleaning Limited. Okay. So we are two different companies. Here was like a hobby yeah. and then that is when I then started because I was still in college at the time. So I was doing my business studies course and then once I passed that, um, I then opened up my own company, turned it into a limited company when I was 18 and then opened up my shop when I was 18. Wow. And obviously it's continued from there. Do you find, how do you find the community is here for like learning stuff? Did, did you learn something? Stratford? Yeah, just like in the computer fair, but for the people um, who give you tips or? Yeah, obviously, I mean, some customers, they will help you, obviously, because they learn stuff quicker. To be honest, I think customers will learn stuff quicker than what you would, because they're the ones that are looking for specifically what they want. So when they come to you and say, oh, I want this repaired, if you didn't already know about it, then you're the one that's got the information to learn it properly, but it's sort of customers that bring it to your attention. So yeah, they do, you do learn quite a lot here in general. And do your customers tend to be the type of people who already have some technical expertise? Or? No. No. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. Um, I'd say 65% of them are clued up as such, they know roughly, but the others that aren't really that clued up, I don't look at it as you're stupid and you don't know, I look at it as an educational um, way. So then I can obviously start to teach them and like sort of give them a rough idea on what is actually being repaired. So they get an understanding rather than just taking their money and repairing it, which is what most companies do, which is probably why I'm so quite popular here is because obviously I'm happy to just like have an education inside with them yeah. rather than sort of shut them down completely. Do you think that they then like get some curiosity? Do you think that then inspires them to go and find more information or do you think that's sort of the end of the... A little bit. Yeah. I, mean, I do think a little bit. Obviously, a lot of people... Um, Obviously, I think it is very, very major to get it repaired because obviously, as I said, the carbon footprint, the recycling, all stuff like that. And at the end of the day, a lot of people aren't willing to get it repaired. They just sort of like leave it in the drawer and then one day just chuck it away and not dispose of it properly. And obviously, that's when it causes a lot of issues. But um, repairing side of things, I think they do look into it, but it's just sort of like hit and miss. But as well, obviously, when you're like a reputable company, they, they tend to come to you in a way, regardless whether they did want it fixed or not, because they think they'll obviously get more advice. And what do you think like the main barriers are to people sort of trying to repair it themselves? They just don't know, I guess, how to... The barriers Like, where do people go to get information about how to repair stuff, do you think? Mainly it's online, that's yeah. what I think, uh, in this day and age it's online strictly. I mean, places like Yellow Pages and newspapers, I don't think people use them anymore. Obviously they, there is the odd people, but I mean like probably maybe 50, 60 plus, but around like sort of between 15 and 30 is mainly online or, or TV and stuff along those lines. Uh, me, myself, my company is, I'd say, based on 85% word of mouth. Wow. which is obviously the best advertisement you can ever get. So a lot of people, they know about me or they know of me. So even if you don't know me personally, obviously if someone says, oh yeah, I went to Console Clean, they automatically just sort of know about it because obviously the, it adds, well, my company spread a lot mm. word of mouth along like, the years. And has, has business been pretty steady over the last like, um, 10 It's growing. It's yeah. growing every single month. Um, so I think it can only grow. Yeah. And, and what was it? at first when you used to come here with your dad that made you think that you'd like to this is something that you'd like to do yourself um there was a guy here that done consoles uh, from ps2 to ps3s and he was giving it up and i just took it as an opportunity to take it over and that's when that's, that's when i still started right did you know him much or was it uh yeah we knew him yeah we knew him. i knew him very well um so that's why he was quite happy for me to swap everything all over 
So yeah, I found Kyle uh, a, a breath of fresh air. Um, is is a younger person building a repair business um, that seems to be growing? And interesting to to note that he's he's still really keen on being at the Stratford Computer Fair, and that it still does provide um, leads for him and gives him an opportunity to meet people and build trust and build relationships. Yeah, he also. I was quite impressed to hear that he does have his own shop, but he also does work. Um, as visits to other places to repair when he closes the shop. Like, he is an incredibly flexible individual. Like, he closes the shop at 6 p.m. and claims that at times he works till 1 a.m. elsewhere to fix things for other people. So he's really willing to understand where business is going, which is quite uh, remarkable. And I loved how he looks at the internet as a source, uh, not of competition, but actually of information and how that can help educate his customers as well and probably brings them new business as well. So it's yeah. a very different perspective from the other two we, we listened to earlier. Yeah, although I can appreciate their perspective as well, having, having as I said, having seen some of the things they're talking about and realizing um, how hard it is and that it really is often necessary to get to get help um, in person. And so that's what we provide. <laughs> um, uh, although, like, as I said, we can't work on every every kind of repair. It's a real challenge. Um, and that's why we're increasingly looking to refer people to professionals where possible. Yeah, the case, some cases happen where you realize that there is massive, massive value in actually being able to refer to the right person. Uh, we recently attempted to do an iPad uh, repair at one event. It was a screen repair. And these things require very specific equipment to facilitate and speed up the repair. And uh, in most cases, that's not really something that you can do at a community repair event because yeah. the pressure and trying to get so much other things, so many other things done is such that probably being able to refer to the right uh, professional, especially when the person uh, has a desire to get it fixed, but not necessarily time to learn all the skills involved. Uh, it doesn't make sense. I think the real challenge for professionals in reflecting on this and on the uh, quadcopter over the weekend is how to involve their customers more. So in other words, how to you know, provide some extra learning opportunities and so that it's not... Uh, you know, in one ear and out the other situation, yeah. but where uh, customers actually learn something and feel involved and engaged, but don't necessarily have to peer over a technician in a workshop, for, you know, for 90 minutes or whatever. So that that's something that I, I just def see going forward. Um, to close the show, we wanted to talk about a situation where repair is not possible. <laughs> and that is the, we heard finally what will be the outcome or the final destination of those dangerous Samsung Note 7. So, Ugo, give us the update. Yes, so the the story goes back a few weeks when at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, Greenpeace interrupted the Samsung keynote speech uh, by asking, what are you going to do with those Note 7? Because, of course, they did the recall. How many were there again? Remind me. 4.3 million, yeah. I believe. Wow. So a lot of phones, brand new, except rather dangerous. And so Samsung was keeping quite quiet about what they would do with these devices. And uh, finally, last week, they came public with three guidelines for what they will do with the devices. And um, 
I personally was rather unimpressed and uh, I would label all the publicity and PR that happened around this revelation quite, if not fake news, uh, irrelevant news, as in it's not really news. So they said, the first devices shall be considered to be used as refurbished phones or rental phones where applicable. Second, salvageable components shall be detached for reuse. And third, processes such as metal extraction shall be performed using environmentally friendly methods. Now, to me, that sounds like business as usual, like as things should be, not just for the Note yeah. 7, but yeah. for every device. Also, that they clarified to in an interview to The Verge that these phones, they would not in any case be put back on sale in the United States, which seems to indicate that it's good maybe for some more remote country, but not for the US. It just seems something a little bit mm. not that specific. Let's put it that way. So we'd like to hear more when they're ready. Okay. Okay. Well, and uh, just to say that uh, we have some upcoming events mm -hmm. um, where you can get help, but not with a Note 7. No. <laughs> Anything with a battery or that plugs in with a couple of very sensible exceptions for safety, get in touch if you have something a bit strange. Um, Ugo, where can people get help at a restart party? Next week on Thursday the 14th. Uh, no, 13th, sorry, we will be at the Bell Size Library uh, between 6 and 9 p.m. Uh, host a guest of the Friends of the Library. Uh, so it's a great community venue. Come and see us. North you London. can find out more at therestartproject.org or find us on social media, Restart Project. Uh, thanks for listening in, and until next week. Bye. Bye.